This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Hey, before we get to the episode today with a fantastic guest you're going to love, I want to invite you to go head on over to top5productivitytips.com. That's number five, top5productivitytips.com to get my top five productivity tips, my gift to you. Tony Wall is my guest today. He is the founder and president of Noesis, a nonprofit that the, that's dedicated to human education and the elimination of perpetual conflict. Wall spent most of his career in the financial services industry, but continually found himself drawn back to the study of humankind. Tony, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks a lot, Mark. I appreciate it. I I can't think of a more appropriate topic to talk about here. This episode's coming out on May 31st, 2022. We just recorded this yesterday, by the way, than conflict. I mean, there is so much conflict in the world. There's the war in Ukraine. There's problems here in America. And I think from what I see on the news and what I see on social media, most people don't know what to do. I mean, so I, that's what I'm really hoping that we can dive into on the show today, give people some really practical things that they can do in a very rough time we're having right now. Well, there's good news and bad news. The, uh, the bad news, obviously, is everything that we're seeing around us that troubles us so greatly. And we've all normalized it, haven't we? we the entire human race has normalized it's these growing calamities around us. Uh, because uh, that's the harbinger of helplessness. We feel helpless. It's too big. Um, I'm here, Luis is here with great news. Um, <clears throat> the perpetual conflict that we see is our only choice. Uh, uh, because of a crossover event uh, in the evolutionary timeline of the human species that's now viewable in great detail, something occurred uh, that is not conjecture of any kind that set us at one another's throats. Um, so, so what we're seeing far from, is it troubling? Yes. Do we need to normalize it to sleep? Yes. Is it in any way mysterious? No, it isn't, as you'll come to understand in this conversation. Normalize the conflict. And I think people know that's happening, but they didn't know what to call it. And it, it's kind of like I, I read a story once about uh, a, a thief. No one wakes up to become a murderer. What happens is they start making really bad mistakes, really small mistakes, and that becomes normal to them. And then they start making a little more serious mistakes. Maybe they start, they go from shoplifting at their friend's house to shoplifting in the store to maybe robbing small convenience store. And it just gets worse and worse, but the more they do it, it becomes normal to them. And so they say, well, let me push the envelope. Is that sort of what you were describing? Uh, you're describing a, a human being that uh, is uh, uh, acting out in a socio mathematical way. And what do I mean by that? Well, we, we are socio-mathematical here at Noesis. We don't bring any value by describing the calamities all over us. We can all go to the movies for that. Um, the person who begins to break it down uh, as time goes on uh, will eventually bottom out all the time. Um, as they perceive less and less consequences, their actions will 
accelerate more and more into recklessness. So uh, that's a very well understood dynamic. It's really, again, it's, it's, these are all mathematics. And that will get annoying to you until I explain to you that that's precisely what's going on with us. We, we are in conflict and conflict, let me be clear about this. Conflict is not natural to human beings. So we are technically swimming upstream against our deepest longings. Uh, I say technically, I say clinically. These are words that are extremely important here. Uh, when we say we are clinically swimming upstream, that gets all the blame and the judgment and the self-loading and throws it out the window where it belongs. Because human beings are not in any way flawed. We are more correctly gravely injured and emotionally exhausted, which is the only thing you can expect from a being that is swimming technically upstream from its deepest longings for collaboration. Um, where do we get these deep longings? Why are they so deep? Well, for 275,000 years, we, we wandered the globe in nomadic, tight-knit uh, groups. We collaborated and we co cooperated or we died. Okay, so that's how dire this need was to band together and move along like a wheel. So that's who we are in our DNA. This is not a casual thing I'm explaining to you. I'm explaining to you that our deepest longings to collaborate are woven around our bones. So these would be, of course, be tested when human beings ran out of places to go. We got to all places of the globe by 10 to 20,000 years ago, and we only had one thing to do, and that is to settle into larger and larger populations. Stationary beings were the new reality. Migratory beings were the old reality, and here's where the trouble began for us. So let's go from there. You really set the table really well. I want to applaud you for that because that is going to be the launching off point of our conversation today. So my audience likes to get really into tactical stuff. They're not big on theory. Okay. There's lots of things out there in the world that'll give them theory. They want to know, my listener wants to know, Tony, what can I do about all the things that are going on in the world right now. How can I take care of myself? How can I take care of my loved ones? Give us some really practical things that anyone listening to this conversation can put into practice because I don't want someone to walk away and say, you know, that was a great fuzzy conversation with Tony. I want them to walk away with, I learned X, Y, and Z. So let's jump off there. Okay. Um, I will tell you what's able, what we're able to do and what we're not able to do because when you're going to tackle issues of human sustainability, which is what we do, um, it'd be a real good idea to be really honest about it. Human beings are up against a very, very, very difficult situation, way more difficult than we think, but one that is needs a process to be to, to bear upon it. That's why we're here. The only thing I can ask your, re your, your viewers to do 
is to listen and to observe from here, to see things differently than they always have, because what we think we're seeing is not what we're seeing. All right, we are a we are a a group of eight billion action reaction beings. We see things in front of us, we react to them. Well, we need to stop that right away. And we just the first thing we're doing here is we are observers. We do not do theory. As you say, human beings no longer enjoy the luxury of theory. We are fact-based, and the worst we'll ever risk is something that stands to reason on its best day. So I'm going to say this right now, and we don't intend drama. Nobody's, everybody's going to hit the exits the minute we meander into theory, okay? Our conclusions we hold to be inarguable because they spring from fact and because they spring from deductive reasoning. So the first thing I'm going to ask your listeners to do is to not ask too much of themselves. Learn and observe what's going on around you and see it differently. What do I mean? Every single action that we take every day has an evolutionary trigger. If we are not aware of them, we will be overwhelmed by them as we are every single day. All right. We are, here's a couple of things that are inarguable. We believe that we are a blank slate at birth. At Noesis, we cannot concur. In fact, we are, we have 200,000 prior generations of human beings pressing down upon our present moments every day. The impulses and compulsions that we've suppressed, unfortunately, activate 20 times faster than the thinking brain. We're overwhelmed and overmatched out of the gate. And when we look at it like that, maybe we should stop beating ourselves up for what our shortcomings are. We don't have a choice but to remain in perpetual conflict until we understand its components and how they formed. And that's why we're here. Now, let me ask you about the uh, listen and observe part, because I'll be 57 next month on June 21st. And it seems now that life is moving at a much more rapid pace than it has ever done in my entire life. As a matter of fact, every year seems to go faster and faster and faster. And I, I agree with you, 100% concur that we need to stop, listen, and observe. But when people are moving so fast, it's really difficult to do that. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree, and I would suggest that we, uh, that we all, all eight billion of us, I completely agree However, that is the reality that we must we must put the brakes on and we must become observers if we're going to problem solve for human sustainability. Remember, we are here as problem solvers. We are not blamers. We are not judgers. Neither have utility. In any way, shape, or form, human beings will not respond to blame. Nobody wants to be lectured. 
for the most basic of reasons, because blame is a threat to the human mind. Okay. So I said, observe. Here's a couple things that I took from your past episodes. You mentioned gossip. Um, good work by you. We do, uh, remember, everything has an evolutionary trigger. Would it be worth something to know that the ruinous behaviors that we do today, such as gossip, we gossip about our friends, Mark, with friends like us who needs enemies, all right? Yeah. <clears throat> so so we shame our, our our people we call friends into privacy, which by which I might add is an unnatural state for a collaborative being. So why do we gossip? Luis isn't here to say we gossip. We're here to explain why we do. And here's why we do. Gossip, nitpicking, things of this nature. This is a need to to find and to report upon negative information. Negative information kept us alive as we were evolving. Nobody had value who had good information. The bearer of bad news had value for our survival. When we had bad news, we had extra value, didn't we? So that's why when we gossip, we could we we take gossip and eradicate it in two seconds flat if all 8 billion people were to listen. <laughs> when we gossip, we think that we found a survival tidbit for our tribe. If you've noticed that we don't have tribes and that we're not in the woods anymore, that you understand that gossip is a reinvention of the mad search for negative information. That's why when we gossip, we get a charge. We get a shot of pure dopamine straight to the primitive areas of the brain where we spend three quarters of our day. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned the negative charge. I, I, I can't think... When people think of gossiping, we don't think of positive things. We don't tell, oh, man, did you hear about Tony? Tony just won a $1 billion contract. No one says that. We always spin it in the negative connotation, maybe because we're envious or jealous or whatever the reason. But you make a very valid point there. We gossip. It feeds our negativity because that's what we're really searching for. We have to really try hard to go for the positive. Not only do we really need to try hard, it's killing us. Let me make this clear. It's killing us. Uh, We are, when we gossip, we are literally hallucinating in an evolutionary way. Hmm. When we sit down and we absorb gossip and we we get a buzz, we read our newspapers, negative information, that's what we're looking at, okay? We need the dirt, but the dirt we need died eons ago. Okay, so we're fighting ancient enemies in our minds. Uh, We are uh, driven by compulsions and impulses that overwhelm us out of the gate. And we stagger out of the gate. We never get up. We're in a fight with ourselves that we can never win unless, unless we begin to understand these mechanisms. And that's what we're here to do. Uh, We are here to describe and identify the ancient motivators of all modern behavior. Okay. If ancient messages are steering our actions, that would explain a lot, wouldn't it? 
we shoot first. Well, <laughs> that means we think we're in danger that isn't there. Okay. We are misinterpreting our environments every single day times 8 billion. And that's one of the things I always tell people when you get frustrated by someone, stop and think before you tweet or you speak or you post. What happens is someone says something, it hits a nerve and we're ready away, ready to punch him verbally or maybe physically. But if you just like, wait a minute, maybe I misunderstood him because we misunderstand people all the time. Did they really mean that? Or maybe I'm already having a bad day. Maybe I'll react later. But we live in a society where I'm going to respond right now. And that just perpetuates the negativity and the evil that's in the world. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated? Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life. So why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. Uh, let me tell you something. You're all over this. So I, I, I want to I use this opportunity. I'm talking to somebody who's really all over it right out of the gate. Now watch this. Uh, you said, we need to stop. Well, let me add something to that. We need to stop and absorb information that we now have and that Noesis is here to teach an entire globe. It looks like this. I feel myself becoming elevated. It, I, I'm, I'm angry. My, my uh, face is getting redder. I'm more, I'm digging into an indefensible position. What's happening inside of me? Then here comes Louisa's to say, here's what's happening inside of you. It is 100% evolutionary. It is understandable because the evolutionary timeline of the human species is now no longer conjecture. We come from the same place, the African Congo Basin. That puts all human beings on the same place right out of the gate. Okay, so we go back to square one. All right, so we are misinterpreting our environments, and the, and it presents like what you just described. When we elevate, like I want to, I am so angry. We are. We've left our present moment. Now we're fighting an enemy that know that died eons ago. We are misinterpreting the threat, and then what comes back has to mathematically be way misaligned. Why? Because the human brain does not bargain with threats. We pulverize threats. Mm -hmm. That means that when we are threatened, even by blame, our rejection is going to be more than the blame because we have to vanquish the threat. That's the reaction reaction model of conflict. We, and then a not so funny thing happened. Mark, uh, somebody noticed that this brings cash registers. Um, that's why the, uh, when we settled into bigger, bigger populations 10,000 years ago, and we took up behaviors of acquisition, we created lesser and greater and lesser beings within a, a financial meritocracy. Let me tell you something you already know. We think we we live in a democracy. We don't. We live in a financial meritocracy. Let's let's get that real straight for everybody. So, um, in any meritocracy, you're going to have lesser beings. 
a lesser being doesn't know what that means in its DNA. A human being has no ability to process a lesser because we evolved in the spirit of cooperation, equally important parts rolling along. And now this, uh, you know, a collaborative effort gave way to the self-interest of acquisition. Our DNA doesn't even understand what it's looking at, let alone knowing what to do with it. Let me ask you a quick question here, because I don't want to assume that people understand the word meritocracy. So could you define it? I don't want someone to go, oh, I lost the last part of the conversation because I came to a word that I didn't know. And I believe that if you hear a word you don't know, you should stop and go look it up. So to prevent them from doing that, we don't want them to pause the episode. What is a meritocracy? Okay, uh, that's a great question. And I thank you very much for stopping me. Uh, we've been, I've been doing this for three years. I'm learning that certain words, I got to stop. All right. Remember, human beings evolved in the spirit of equality. Everybody had, had, we were appreciated and we appreciated. We, um, we have a need to assist and to be assisted. This is what allowed us to get to all areas of the globe. Um, so meritocracy, these were natural meritocracies. Whoever the leader was, we were all darn glad of it. And so, so now we crossed over to acquisition when our populations grew. A uh, That was uh, aided by an agricultural awakening. We domesticated beasts of burdens. We domesticated pack animals like dogs to, ma- uh, to manage them. Our crops got bigger and bigger. Our populations got lazier and fatter. And I mean, I don't mean that in any disrespect whatsoever. No, it's true. You can just look at the data. It's true. Right. So, so we don't do, so here it is. Uh, meritocracy set in for the first time. We created what we call here a hierarchy of human value in a rose by any other name, a financial meritocracy. Which means the really wealthy people basically control the rest of the world. No, it's something different, but close. It's something much more, much less able to be seen. A, we can absolutely survive in a, a capital, capitalistic society. In fact, capitalism is the only choice for a sentient being. So, you know, it's our only choice, but we created two things that were foreign to human DNA. And one is a greater being and the other was a lesser being. Uh, any lesser being, a lesser being would go on to collapse every single stationary human culture to ever exist because of the rigors of unchecked meritocracy. What do I mean? Meritocracy can be viewed as a macro concern like a capitalist society. But unchecked meritocracy is also something you can see in the uh, kitchen of a restaurant. Uh, literally, like if the sous chef is pressing his idea that he's greater down upon the dishwasher, the dishwasher is not going to take that standing up. The dishwasher is going to plot vengeance and execute on insurgency within that micro 
example, uh, show me a diminished human being and I will show you trouble in a constant fashion. It's mathematical. It's because we don't understand in our DNA what lesser means. Okay, we're not going to, we're not open for business for lesser. So meritocracy means that we are, in fact, a meritocracy, but we are not, are making decisions within that meritocracy that diminish other human beings. I think, I think the key word there is merit, right? Because meritocracy starts with the word merit, correct? Right. Okay. Well, yeah. And, and when we think about this, let's, by, by extension, let's extend this point. Um, we lie a lot. Human beings, we're, we're liars. And, and we're gonna, let me tell you something you never, I'm going to ask some people to think of this differently. Why would we, what, what is it about the truth that would drive us away toward the flimsy nature of a lie, 75% of which are so dumb, they're dumb lies. <laughs> well, uh, well, think of meritocracy. We are judged every day against the standard of perfection. So here we are, imperfect beings, judging the imperfections of our fellow beings. What could go wrong here, Mark? <laughs> so, when, so, so when we feel that we lack merit, we create false merit, don't we? Oh, let me shorten it up. We lie. So, and that would explain the 75% of the silliest lies we tell. Mm-hmm. You've heard about people who who uh, get fired from their jobs 25 years later because they said they they had an English class at Dartmouth, but they never did. <laughs> the, the people are found, and then they lose their jobs. Listen, we're creating false merit in a meritocracy, okay? Um, now, an unchecked meritocracy is a socio-mathematical constant failure. It collapsed 70 human cultures, all Human cultures ever exist on Earth, A, are gone, B, collapsed in eerily precise fashion. It occurs to us after reading five uh, stories about human degradation, we're reading the same play with different actors. We are therefore in the presence of precision. Wherever precision is, there's a mathematical reality we need to look for. So once you see it, you can't unsee it. What do I mean? Well, 10,000 years ago, a collaborative, peaceful, loving being crossed over and was commanded to acquire for the first time. And that broke the human heart. Look, we don't do drama here. We're problem solvers. However, we don't see flawed human beings. We see an ocean of broken hearts. We are essentially, again, we are swimming upstream relative to our migratory DNA. Let me throw a few numbers. I'm sorry, I'm not your man if I have to soft pedal these things. I I can't do it. I don't bring value, okay? We are trying to demystify extinction. We're not the extinction guys. We're trying to demystify it. How do we do that? We do it by the numbers. Here they are. Since the dawn of life on Earth... 99.9% 99.9% of the things that ever lived here are extinct. That's 5 billion extinctions. Okay, extinction is the norm. Survival is the exception, apparently. Carl Sagan said it, and that's good enough for me. 
We want to demystify the idea that we cannot select ourselves for what need not be is preposterous. So I'm com- we're coming to the, the entire world saying, A, this idea about we need to bottom out and then we'll see what happens. Why? We have data now that was never, ever, ever before available to us. We only figured out 200 years ago that we evolved. So any past culture that was failing in the exact same way we are by the rigors of perpetual conflict, they didn't even have a reference point. For the last 10,000 years, every time human beings came into one another, they may as well have been aliens from outer space. Nobody knew that we had all come from the same place, that we were about to clash with our clinical brothers and sisters. Nobody knew. Well, we darn well can know it. And I would suggest we get busy because the fact is that two things, the human species is not sustainable in any discernible way. What has always destroyed stationary cultures are our models today all over us, but this time globally. We're not going to figure it out, Mark. (laughs) Let me me explain something. People say we'll figure it out. It's at the precipice that we evolve. Yeah. No, it isn't. Well, you know, when you were talking there, it it made me think about this drive to go colonize Mars. And my first reaction, and every reaction I've had since then, is, and it goes along with what we've been talking about the last half hour, we can't get planet Earth right. Why are we going to go to Mars? We're going to have the same problem because we're going to have human beings there. I think we should try to get this planet right first. Just going to another location doesn't make things all better. So before we wrap up, give me your, your last word on that. Well, Stephen Haw- Hawking in his last uh, uh, in his last lecture, uh, he Stephen Hawking gave us 600 years to get off this planet. Uh, he was a kind, loving, gentle-hearted man. He didn't want to scare the human uh, species. What he was saying was, if we don't bring a process to bear upon an inertia that we don't even understand, but now can, nobody's going to get out of this alive. He's basically explaining to this uh, to us that w- we can't make it. Sorry about that. First of all, to your listeners, I want sorry about that. Again, I don't bring any but any value here by soft pedaling these things. Uh, why Mars? Well, is more we can probably. Mars is unremarkable, Mark. So what's the big thing? Well, maybe we should think of it as an escape plan as opposed to a, a an object for our study. We have optics now that can practically see grains of sand on Mars. It's an unremarkable yeah. planet. Crazy. The technology we have now is crazy. It's crazy. But here's the technology we'll never have, and that is the idea that we can travel to stars. We can't travel from here – human beings can't get out of our own smoke here on planet earth. I would suggest we start with that. And that's what we're here to do. We are here to teach human beings why they do what they do. Never not to complain or blame or judge what they do. Why are we doing this? That has value. We can impose thought upon uh, to, and I know we're we're wrapping up here. Thank you very much. Um, we have to actually introduce thought into when we elevate. You, you talked about it earlier. 
you know, I, I get so mad, I'm ready to punch somebody. We need to stop ourselves and say, we have learned why we feel this way and what drives it. And now we can, now we've imposed a process upon it, one we never could. So we would need to think our way into sustainability. We will never arrive there by stumbling along end over end. Uh, so uh, we are the only uh, nonprofit in the world so far that's going, that's living in the past, if you will. We found the guy that said, don't look back, and we fired him. <laughs> right. We have to look back. The only light to the future is that of the past. We know what has destroyed every human culture. We know that that process has been a precise one. And so we we call it a constant, and we can explain that the same thing's going to happen to us now unless we determine what drives these failures. And now we can. And that's what we're doing here. And we're going to go all over the world, and we're going to work until nothing's left to work, Mark. Excellent. Now, what what is the website for Noesis? How, how can we go there to find out more about the work you're doing in the world? Uh, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Uh, we are at noesisproject.com. Uh, when, when you go there, you're going to find a standard of quality. It, it took us three years to build it. We, we're not coming to a world with human sustainability problem solving with anything cheesy. You can be assured of that. Uh, there is an intelligence. We are fact based. We hold our conclusions to be inarguable because it ha- we have to have assumptions in place to problem solve. Um, blame, judgment, nope. Whatever your individual beliefs are, hold on fast to them. Hold on fast. Our individual beliefs are central to us. Luis has a better idea. Let's survive in order to believe. Because the last time we looked an extinct species has no beliefs. So, uh, you know, the we are the human degradation is now well understood as opposed to something that we should be disgusted at. We've arrived to the only place we were able to once we settled into a meritocracy where lesser beings would undermine that reality until they died. That's what's going on. Excellent. Well, Tony, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was an absolute incredible conversation. And he talked a lot and gave a lot of information. But if you just take one takeaway, here's my one takeaway for you, listener. Just stop and observe and get the information in. Okay. Stop with the knee jerk reactions and just take it. We're not talking six hours. If you just take a few seconds, it could fundamentally change your life. Tony, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for that great takeaway too. Spot on. Thank you. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age. 
but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.